Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Preserve and protect your health by listening live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Good afternoon, listeners. Today is August 6, 2014. We have a wonderful show for you today. We have with us Diane Morris-Jones. She's a licensed mental health counselor, She's certified in Daring Way. She's a certified laughter yoga instructor. And among other things, she's also the author of the most wonderful book called Stop, Breathe, and Believe. So now I would like to bring her onto our show. Hello there, Diane. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, hi, Denise. It's great to be on your show. Thank you for having me. I'd like to start the show out by asking my guests how they got on the path that they're on today. Well, I um, finished my graduate degree when I was 40. I had had the privilege of being a stay-at-home mom up to that point. And um, oh. my husband I decided this was a great um, path to take. And, so, and then um, I've been doing therapy for quite some time now, and um, several years ago I designed this practice of um, Stop, Breathe, Believe, and my husband kept encouraging me to write a book about it, and I kept putting him off saying it's um, too simple, but the reality is the, the process might feel simple in that it's three steps, but our thinking is complicated, and so there's nothing simple about wanting to uh, reevaluate and look at and um, reframe our thinking. And so um, that's a little bit of how I got to where I am with the book. Um, it's always interesting, isn't it, how we get on the paths that we we get on? <laughs> right. Well, I found myself and a lot having of time, coffee and lunch with people and um, listening and walking alongside them and um, difficult journeys, and it just seemed like a natural progression then to go into counseling. And I... I just really consider it a privilege, Denise, to walk the difficult journey with people um, and come mm-hmm. alongside them. And my clients are just some of my heroes. I totally respect um, who they are and where they're coming from. Yeah, I, I, I find it interesting how a lot of times it takes a major life crisis for change to happen. And, um, you know, you're you're unusual in the respect that you're helping those with those major crises. Um, you haven't actually um, probably 
had to struggle with one on, you know, uh, a major one yourself. It sounds like you've um, kind of taken on the other side of it where you're helping everybody else, which is which is awesome because you have the energy to do that and the foresight to do it and the training right. to do it. <laughs> well, I'm grateful for that. We've certainly had some bumps in the road along in our life when I was, 25, I had a, um, a premature baby at, at six months, oh. and he weighed two pounds. Oh, and, uh, <gasps> oh my gosh. He's certainly healthy now, um, but, you know, we uh, moved a major life transition, so we've had some bumps along the road for sure in our life, but I'm grateful to be able to um, have the training to walk alongside people in crisis and during trauma. It's, it's very, um, it's just I, I just consider it such a privilege. So let's talk a little bit about your book, Stop, Breathe, Believe. Um, listeners, if you're just tuning in now, we're talking with Diane Morris-Jones. She's the author of the book, Stop, Breathe, Believe. It's a fabulous book. I recommend that everybody get their copy. Let's start from the beginning. You talk about the clothesline. Now, how does a clothesline translate into um, people in crisis? Well, often, Denise, um, well, all the time we have thoughts coming in our head. And so I find that my clients really relate to a visual. And so as silly as it seems, I, you know, not that many people maybe even use clotheslines anymore, but the visual of a clothesline with maybe a three-by-five card coming through our mind, and then the fact that we have the choice of what it is that we're going to think. And so some of those three-by-five thoughts coming through our head, we can choose that, no, that's not true, and I do not want to believe that. And so it's so empowering when we can recognize that to look at what are our patterns of thinking and then recognize that some of those are not true um, some of them are, are inflated, some of them are, are worry-related or whatever, and so we can really begin to pay attention to and be aware and mindful of what it is that we're thinking. So we basically kind of try to retrain our brains and, and our thoughts from perhaps um, negativity to more positive patterns. Positive right. Yeah, and you know, it's just so interesting of how our thoughts come to be and why we think the way we do. And so sometimes just being aware of those thoughts and of those patterns is extremely helpful. And sometimes we're thrilled with what we're thinking, and it's great. And I often <laughs> encourage clients as they're um, looking at those patterns of thinking to just try to note those and not mm-hmm. be judgmental towards those thoughts because, um, you know, for various reasons of, of why they have come in, um, you know, we, we can't always be harsh. We can often be harsh with ourselves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, in well, our self-talk. True. We have a lot of programming from the time when they were very small. And, um, exactly. you know, those, those, are, those are our belief statements, and it, sometimes it, it takes... Uh, a different form of education to change those beliefs.
Yes, it does. And, you know, sometimes it, um, I am a firm believer of being in community with others. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's one of the benefits of having someone else that you can kind of check in with your perspective of, you know, I'm really worried about this particular incident. What do you think about what, what I'm thinking? Is there something that you can help me along with on this as far as reevaluating with a friend of, you know, what, what our thought patterns are? That's often helpful mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I also think it's really interesting just how we, uh, if we can pay attention to what is our self-talk, um, what are the thoughts that we say to ourselves that maybe we would never say to someone else. Often when I'm teaching a, <laughs> when I'm teaching a workshop, sometimes I'll say, you know, if you lost your keys this morning, you were rushing out <laughs> to a meeting and you lost your keys, what would be three things you might say to yourself? And so everyone will write them down, you know, whatever those thoughts might be, and then we start sharing them, and then I ask, and would you say that to a friend? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. of course, most of the thoughts are, oh, you're so stupid, or you should have done, you know, you should have thought of this sooner, you shouldn't be running late, all these things. And whereas if a friend said they lost their keys, you would not say, oh, you're so stupid. <laughs> you would say, oh, wow, you've really got a lot on your plate right now. No wonder you would lose your keys today, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, if we can, um, in looking at that, of how do we talk to ourselves, um, I share mm-hmm. in the book, one, um, one time my daughter and I were taking the um, car in to get the oil changed, and I was leaving a message from my cell phone on my landline. I don't even have a landline anymore, but at the time <laughs> I did. And, and when I hung up, she was like, Mom, who are you talking to? And I just laughed and said, oh, Jill, I didn't even know you were listening. I was just simply leaving a message for myself. And then it dawned, I was like, why do you ask? And she's like, Mom, I've never heard you talk like that to anyone ever before. Oh. And so it was just so fascinating of her catching me within, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think I call myself names or whatever, but it just was that tone of voice that maybe would have, would have been very impatient or critical sounding or whatever and so um (laughs) how do we talk to ourselves and that's one of the beauties of um the Mm -hmm. the concept of stop breathe believe is we can begin to pay attention to what is it we're saying to ourselves, and then begin to understand well what is self-compassion and what what does it look like if we're kind to ourselves in our thinking and in our responses to ourselves we have that inner dialogue bum- going on day after day, yeah. all day long, and Which so what does that bom- look like? We're bombarded, though, you know, day in, day out, through the media and TV and movies and what we read, um, to get basically recentered. Sometimes mm-hmm. can be quite a challenge. Yes, it can, and that's the beauty of. Um, the breathe part. It, for your listeners, the idea of stop, breathe, believe, I use a, um, the visual of a stoplight. And so the stop being the red, the yellow being the breathe, and the green being mm-hmm. the believe. And um, that's so helpful in just recognizing and coming back to the breath and what is it if we did become centered and with our feet flat on the floor and grounded and just took that deep breath and even gave ourselves a moment, just simply a mm-hmm. moment, to mm-hmm. come back to, well, who, who do I want to be in this moment? Because 
often we're scared or afraid or um, anxious or excited or worried or whatever that might cause us to react in a in a different way than if we were to take a moment or maybe multiple moments and um, really pay attention to and then choose what it is that we want to respond with, whether it's with ourselves or with others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I particularly enjoyed your chapter on love is a verb. Mm. Um, you talk you talk about practicing non-judgment, um, yes. which is a huge part of self-care and self-compassion. Yes. you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, how that all started, Denise, I was in a conference and they were talking about judgment and how often we judge others. And she was even talking about, I bet since you've walked in this room, you've already made judgments, like maybe about someone's hair or how this conference (laughs) was being ran or the speaking, you know, the speaker system wasn't Uh working quite right that day or, and, and it just, it, it made me stop and think, whoa, how much am I judging others? And, you know, we are always making judgments on on a day to day basis. Where you know, of is it safe to cross the street? I mean, that's a judgment. So we're even teaching mm-hmm. our kids that. But what we're talking about is the judgment of others or of situations or whatever. And so, I kind of just made a vow that day that I was going to really pay attention to, and try to stop being judgmental of others mm-hmm. for a mm-hmm. year. <laughs> And I oh, that's a big very, challenge. <laughs> it was huge. But what was so crazy, um, Denise, is I worked very hard that year on doing that, and, it, boy, I, I saw some things about myself that I wasn't real um, happy with, some patterns, if you will, ah. of even my own thinking. And, it was, um, and so I used Stop, Breathe, Believe to say, okay, wait a minute, come back, when I would catch myself in the process of being oh, judgmental about okay. something. Okay. Then I would um, say, okay, stop, Diane, and then I would take a deep breath, and I would think, what's a kinder way to, to look at that situation mm-hmm. or um, whatever it might be? But the crazy thing was, after doing that for a year, <laughs> I decided for the second year my challenge was going to be to not be judgmental of myself. Uh-huh. And, Denise, I can tell you that was a much more difficult task. Um <laughs> <laughs> of oh, how um, I would say I'm a recovering perfectionist. But, you know, I think we all find those times where we're beating ourselves up over, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes the silliest things and sometimes the uh, very difficult things that it's hard to, to work through of maybe a, a mistake that we've made or a situation that we've gotten involved with. And it's just really difficult um, to get to work through maybe the shame of a certain situation or whatever. And um, mm. so I found that um, I used <clears throat> the practice of stop, breathe, believe a lot more <laughs> when I was trying to not be judgmental of myself and be kind and compassionate towards myself. I think it's um, it's very much a practice of um, mm-hmm. being authentic and real and, um, and, and not being critical towards ourselves. So in your counseling with your clients, Mm-hmm. Suppose you have someone who went through a pretty traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. How would they apply this uh, stop, breathe, believe? Would it be applied every time a thought came into their mind or they were replaying perhaps that um, horrible experience that they had? 
to stop the thoughts from coming in and experiencing them? You know, I think um, when you've been through a, a um, terrific trauma, it's difficult to stop those thoughts. And they, there can be triggers that will put us um, back in that moment. You know, trauma really doesn't have a time chart or it, it doesn't um, understand time. Trauma doesn't. And so mm-hmm. when we're triggered, we can immediately be put back in that situation. And so that's part of the um, the great thing about working in therapy with someone who's been through trauma is because we can practice well, what are some green statements or some belief statements that after you can catch yourself in recognizing that this was a trigger, then we practice on some what are some things that you can say. For instance, one of my clients, she will simply, her green statement will be, I am in a safe place right now. Even though ah. she may feel as if she's not, she will say to herself, okay. I'm in a safe place right now. Because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a trigger from a smell or a noise or a visual that she might have can um, put her back into that trauma mode. And so that's why I encourage um, clients to to come up with really short green statements or belief statements. But it, the, mm-hmm. the other key to it, Denise, is something that you can believe. Because just to say, um, you know, if you haven't believed you're beautiful, for instance, and then all of a sudden to just say, oh, I'm so beautiful, it, it, our, our mind and our body and our heart and our soul is not going to believe that because we're just trying mm-hmm. to, you know, trick it or whatever. But if we mm-hmm. can say something that's true, maybe I'm learning to see myself as beautiful, for instance, or mm-hmm. I'm practicing a new way to handle my trauma. I'm learning new tools to work through the triggers of my trauma. Then those are things that we can believe. And then when we can believe those things, then we can begin to reroute our thinking to a healthier thought or healthier patterns mm-hmm. of thinking. And then that's mm-hmm. where we can, uh, you know, become more joyful, more authentic, more who we were created to be um, when we can be centered and not be so reactionary in our mm-hmm. thinking and mm-hmm. our reactions, but, but more um, mindful and responsive with our um, thoughts. Hmm. It's kind of what we're talking about, a segue into your chapter on the overwhelmed pie. Yeah. Yeah, um, the overwhelm pie is so much fun to teach because the idea um, is that if you were to come in and tell me, I'm just so overwhelmed, Diane, I have no idea what to do, <laughs> I'm going to ask you, well, what's your favorite type of pie? And you might oh. say, I don't know, apple, let's say. And then mm-hmm. I would say, okay, um, Denise, let's, here's a fork and here's your apple pie. Pretend I'm a good cook and pretend I have a pie, and I would like you to eat it right now. Well, it's just preposterous. You know, who would want to do that, A? And secondly, then you would be throwing up or sick afterwards, and you would not appreciate coming um, to hear about this apple pie. But the idea is if we can break it down into smaller pieces. And so often when in our culture, in our busyness of our days, in the, um, you know, our calendars are packed, that we can become so overwhelmed with what's going on that it's difficult to step back and take a small piece of that pie and focus on or work on that. And so then um, that's the beauty of the overwhelmed pie, the idea of just breaking the big piece down into smaller pieces. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, it's something that is digestible 
um, if you know, from a metaphorical sense, but also um, something we can work on. When I'm working with college students, you know, maybe they're just overwhelmed with their appearance issues and who's going to take them to the, um, you know, the uh, banquet for the date, and then how are they going to afford their apartment's rent next month, and how are they going to pass their finals, and oh, yeah, they've got to get a job or something. And so all of that is really mm-hmm. stressful to be thinking of at one time, but if we can break it down and say, okay, let's just talk about your finals. How many finals do you have? What about your English mm-hmm. final? What about your math final? And then break those down. And so um, you can just, you know, kind of continue to break down the the big pieces where it then is manageable, and then it's able you're able to process that and work with with the smaller pieces. Yeah, I, have I guess one you, client with. You, oh, go ahead. I guess you you start with the red thought green thought process. Yes, and well. so that idea mm-hmm. is. Um, when we think of like the stoplight, the red thought would be the thought that maybe you would want to change or that you realize is um, causing you some distress. Mm-hmm. And maybe um, maybe that red thought for that college um, student would be, I'm not going to make it through the semester. you know. And the reality is mm-hmm. because they're totally overwhelmed. And so then sure. um, the idea of, okay, let's just stop with that and then take that deep breath and um, become, you know, still not only um, physically, but a little bit mentally, and then um, <laughs> and look at well, what are some thoughts that would help me with this fact that I'm feeling incredibly overwhelmed in my semester at school, it, um, as opposed to I'm not going to make it, you know, and it might be that well I'm talking with someone or um, I'm reading a book that's helping me or I'm learning a new practice of stop, breathe, believe that is helping me to learn how to manage all of the stressors in my life. And, I, you know, I'm beginning to believe I will make it through the semester type thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of opening up to the possibilities of, of changing some things. Right, and just being very uh, intentional in the thoughts, I think, mm-hmm. is incredibly important mm-hmm. there. Yeah, well, it's it's really about being more focused. Mm-hmm. It's taking a step back and then refocusing on the things that um, you know that really matter. Right. Yeah. What are you know What are the values and the things that are important? And then maybe you know you can even recognize in doing that of well, what are some ways that I'm spending time or energy that that aren't helpful or aren't productive or aren't mm-hmm. who I want to be. You know, maybe I'm trying to gain friends and I'm having lunch with ten different people to try to gain a friend when in reality maybe I only want to have one really solid, deep conversation with a friend and connect in a deep level versus having, you know, 50 surfacey friendships. That's a really good example. It really mm-hmm. is. Um, give us an example of, of someone you've worked with and how long did it take them to adopt this new way of thinking in order to you know, you Denise, know, it's, rectify it's really, issues? Yeah, it's really fascinating because I have had clients that, I, I mean, frankly, I was quite shocked in the beginning when I first started teaching it, how they would come back and they were like, it, it, I mean, it, it was like a miracle or it, it helped me so much and um, I think the beauty of Stop, Breathe, Believe is even initially you can begin to see change. 
I encourage my clients when they leave my office to stop, uh, to start practicing Stop, Leave, Breathe, Believe at the next stoplight. And the stoplights oh. are such a great <laughs> reminder because they're so uh-huh. random. You know, and so it's sure. not like something that's going to go off every hour on the hour, but at every stoplight, if you can begin practicing Stop, Breathe, Believe, you will catch yourself with some very interesting thinking. <laughs> and it might be sometime that, oh, I'm going to be late to this meeting and um, everyone's going to think I'm a loser because I'm late and I should have been more, you know. <laughs> or it may be something very noble thought, like, oh, what a beautiful day it is today. I'm so grateful to be alive and I'm cherishing this moment, <laughs> you know. And so, um, but at the stoplights, we can also, um, you know, get caught in, um, you know, in paying attention to some of our thinking. But that Mm -hmm. is, um, it's so nice that there's only three steps, the stop, the breathe, believe, because even if the client never gets or the reader never gets past the yellow, even that Mm -hmm. stop and breathe, we can make a lot of improvement in our um, behaviors, in our thinking, and in our reactions if we slow down a bit. Yeah, I had, um, um, I had, had a particularly um, really busy, stressful day um, a while back, and um, I had read your book like the week before, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, I had all these thoughts going through my, my head, and I just went, stop, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then I took this huge, huge, deep breath, yeah, and then just kind of went. All right, I need to, I need to refocus here. Right, right. And so, in that's a perfect example, Denise. Of you may not have known every in and out of stop, breathe, believe, but yet you could remember it because it was simple. And there's the visual of a stoplight that uh, is that's right. you know universal and that we all know. But mm-hmm. secondly, um, it's doable in that moment. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not anything that we master, and I would certainly say for myself, it's not like I don't run late and get in a panic or I don't worry about something or whatever. It's not like we we master life if you know, stop, breathe, believe. It is a tool or a practice that helps us to be more mindful and to be more um, aware of what it is that we're thinking and be more mindful of, what, how our interactions are with others, and then be more intentional with who it is that we want to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What were some of the life-changing um, events that took place for you that, that one year that you were self-experimenting? <laughs> <laughs> when I was trying not to be critical of myself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was so awesome, um, Denise, because I... Be, I began to accept my foibles and my failures and my the pieces of me that maybe I wouldn't necessarily have chosen, but that is part of who I am. And to mm-hmm. accept that and um, to love that part of myself as well it was huge. And the, the amazing thing, I think, that we learn about self-compassion and self-kindness and self-care is when we are able to do that, for ourselves, then there's a much higher propensity that we will then be able to love and care for and um, be kind to others mm-hmm. that are also in our way. You know, I think of the idea of a, a perfectionism and, you know, I, our, our children are 
um, 26 and 28. And so, you know, obviously, as most parents, there's a few things you'd like to go back and redo. But um, part of it is, you know, I wonder, gosh, did, you know, because as a a recovering perfectionist myself, you know, did I hold the bar so high for them at times that it was, Mm -hmm. you know, um, unrealistic. But um, when we think about the idea of if I have to have, and I'll just use a a home for an example. If I have okay. to have my house perfect all the time, perfectly clean, perfectly straight, whatever, then what is it that I expect of others? Or even what do others think I expect of them? You know? And mm-hmm. is it okay if someone comes over and my house is a wreck? Or if there's dishes <laughs> in the sink? Or if there's a pile of laundry? Or if the vacuum cleaner is sitting out or whatever, you know, or for a busy executive, is it okay if someone walks in your office and there's 18 different stacks on the floor of papers and, you know, because you're working on a huge project? Um, or is it okay if someone gets in your car and it's not all neat and tidy, you know? Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. What, is, what is that um, standard that we hold not only for ourselves but also for others? And so I think when we can relax, um, that standard, and I'm not saying I don't think that striving for excellence is important, <laughs> but the mm-hmm. perfectionistic piece um, is is hard to let go of when you have um, mm-hmm. been doing that for quite a while. And so that was one of my belief statements or green statements was I'm learning to let go of even wanting to be perfect. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, it's such a hoot, the reality that anyone would think that they're going to be perfect in the first place, you know. And so, but yet, how many of us um, struggle with that? And that's a real struggle. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I certainly don't mean to make light of it because it's a, a difficult struggle for many people of wanting everything just so. Of course it is. Listeners, yeah. if you're just tuning in, in, um, we're talking with Diane Morse-Jones. She's the author of the book Stop, Breathe, Believe. We're having a fascinating conversation about how to make our lives richer and our stress less. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Not you know, without um, We talk about how, you know, we talk about, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's possible for us to live without stress. I really don't. Yeah. Um, well, and I'm not so sure stress is too many okay. factors. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a little bit of stress, stress is that are right. okay. Sure. I just think how boring things would be if we didn't have any stress at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'd be living I in think a there again. Temple. You know, we don't with anxiety, for instance. It's not that we mm-hmm. want to kick anxiety out the door. Anxiety can sometimes serve us well, or being a little bit afraid or a little bit nervous. But to be aware of that anxiety and aware of what's going on in our body with it and to be mindful of that is helpful um, because then we can look at that and say, wow, you know, I was really anxious, um, let's say, prior to giving a presentation. And maybe what we would learn... Yeah, so maybe what we would learn from that is, you know, I just wasn't prepared at all. So no wonder Mm -hmm. I was nervous or anxious. However... You know, often um, that anxiety might be from the fact of even if we were totally prepared or maybe even over-prepared, it would be a fear. Maybe a fear of I'm going to goof up, I'm about, you know, I might goof up and then they're going to think I don't know something. Or I might make a mistake and they're going to think whatever. And so then we can recognize, wow, 
I'm really concerned with what everyone else is thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm paying a well, lot of attention to yeah. how people are going to respond to my, you know, my talk or whatever. And so being aware of our thoughts can help us to kind of realize, whoa, these are maybe my values are a little off here and I want to get back to um, what is the center of who I am and what I truly believe is important. Well, probably one of the biggest fears that people have is public speaking. It often Getting is. Getting up in yeah, front of a, of, of a, a big group of people and we have to ask right. ourselves, what is that? You know? <laughs> Well, you know, what, what, I think we What just, are the triggers that, that you're, just, you're <laughs> just petrified having to get up? Even, even you know, I've even talked to professional speakers. Oh, yeah. They're out in the exactly. circuit all the time. And they right. even admit before they have to get up on that stage, they're just practically having a heart attack. <laughs> right. Well, you know, we have a very strong need to be liked. We have a strong need yeah. to want to fit in and belong. We have a strong need to be loved we have a strong need to be thought of as, you know, particularly for speakers, um, let's say, even professional, of, okay, here's your area of expertise, you know, and what if. Um, boy, I gave a speech in high school one time I went to a thing called Girl State. I don't know if they even still do that. And it was in Texas, and I was this particular camp or organization, it was for student leaders, and I we we were supposed to like run for office so it was set up somewhat like the government or whatever and I was running for vice president or whatever and Denise I got up and I was so nervous I could not even remember my name or what office I was running for so not only could I not remember any of my speech <laughs> I just had mm-hmm. a total uh, blank of what in the world was I doing out there and that I, I was just so afraid that my brain had kind of mm-hmm. gone offline and I wish sure. I would have known about stop breathe believe then <laughs> because it took me uh, it took me many years uh-huh. to have confidence to speak um, to groups I actually joined a group called Toastmasters um, oh, sure. once I graduated sure. from college and it was great mm-hmm. because um, the idea of practicing on those things that we don't feel competent in are incredibly important and that's the beauty of um, with Stop, Breathe, Believe, the idea of the practice of Stop, Breathe, Believe, because um, it, it, it certainly is a tool that we can use, but if we practice it regularly on the small things, then when it comes to something bigger or more major, then we have it as part of who we are. Um, one mm-hmm. time I was working with a client, and she was in for some, you know, relatively minor relational issues um, and an argument with someone in her family or whatever. And so, but I had taught her about Stop, Breathe, Believe, and we had talked about it. And the next week she missed her appointment, and she and I was surprised. It wasn't like her at all. A couple of hours mm-hmm. later, our office got a call that her son had been in the ER with a oh. um, brain tumor. Oh, no. And she told me, she said, Diana, I have no idea what I would have done without Stop, Breathe, Believe in that moment because in the emergency room I was having to use it over and over and over because I was having to make decisions. We were having to talk to the doctor. We were having to be careful about what we were doing. And she said, I just would have been so, I would have been a mess. And, you know, I don't know if that's an overdramatic story, but it's the truth of what happened for mm-hmm. one girl of where, you know, she had been practicing it on a minor thing. 
there's no way that she could have known that that uh, the bigger trauma was going to occur, you know, in mm-hmm. her life. And so it was it was so awesome how it was able to help her. But I think that's true with a lot of things of where you know we we need to build up those muscles, no different than working out of you know mm-hmm. paying attention yeah. to what is it that's going on within our heart and our mind. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. Instead of uh, using substance abuse or, or some form of medication to to dull the pain or the or the experience it's really better to hit it with a different way of thinking mm. yeah you talk a lot about shame um in one of your chapters what can you tell our listeners about about shame and how, um, you know, you can, identifying it, like a lot of times there's not a, you know, you're thinking it's, something's not enough or it's too much. Right. I think, um, you know, I love the definition by Dr. Brene Brown about um, shame. She says shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience mm-hmm. of believing that we're flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Oh. And so just like we were talking about in, um, you know, that person giving the speech, for instance, maybe Mm -hmm. they would think in their mind they might think, oh, I'm not enough. Or as I pointed out in the book, you know, of where we can do kind of almost a chart of being aware of what are some ways that we feel like we're not enough or maybe ways that we feel like, oh, wow, I'm just too much. Um, Maybe we're not smart enough, or maybe we don't feel like we're good enough to be a parent, or maybe we don't have as as much money as some of our friends, you know. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, sometimes we can be too much. We can be such an amazing parent that we can be kind of like a helicopter parent and a little overdo it, a little uh, Uh over-obsessive about that. Or um, maybe there would be something of too much of like, um, you know, even I'm I'm feeling um, I'm feeling bad that I I do have you know when you're talking with someone maybe in a sure. in a different situation that you do have more than they do or you whatever mm-hmm. that might be too much or often um, what my clients will tell me um, particularly if you think about um, <laughs> family holidays. That's always a really mm-hmm. great spot to start when talking about um, shame okay. and how we can often feel that we're not enough or mm-hmm. we're too much. You know, maybe we didn't. You were, we were asked to bring the apple pie, and maybe we didn't bring the homemade apple pie, and so we're feeling <laughs> like we're not enough. You know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. maybe we brought three apple pies: one with the caramel topping, one with the um, a certain kind of crust and one apple tart, you know. And so then maybe someone might say, "Whoa, you're too much," you know. And mm-hmm, so, um, mm-hmm. so often in 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 life, and those are uh, you know maybe simple examples, but I think all sure. of us can relate to at times where we feel we're not enough, we're not pretty enough, not smart enough, not curvy enough, <laughs> um, not skinny not enough. enough. Yeah, yeah. And so one of my favorite green statements one of my clients um, came up with is, um, I will not be defined by the size of my jeans. 
<laughs> and so her idea was, I'm more than um, what size my jeans are. That is a part of mm-hmm. me. But if that's all you think of when you think of me, you're going to miss some really amazing things about me, um, you know. And so I love that. Um, I had a client last yeah. week that was, um, you know, trying out for a team, and she kept saying to herself, I am, I'll just use my name, I am Diane Jones. I'm not wherever they put me on this team, you know, which shows mm-hmm. the bigger value of the the worthiness of who we are and Mm -hmm. the more expansive thinking. And so sometimes we can get that tunnel vision of we're not enough Mm -hmm. in some regards. Mm -hmm. But the way I um, point out about shame in the book is of shoots and ladders, the old um, childhood game that we've all played of shoots and ladders of, you know, just in life. There can be times that we're just clicking right along and everything's going great and then um, we can end up, you know, going down a chute really quick. And um, particularly, you know, as we were talking about those um, that struggle with trauma or crisis or have triggers, it, you know, they can be working so hard on, um, you know, kind of regaining some strength or maybe even with an illness or something like that where you're working very hard to regain some strength and then something can happen and it'll just, you know, within a, a shoot moment, um, you can be back at the at the starting place and it can be very frustrating in that regard. So to look at um, at these changes and these things that we're working on as a process versus mm-hmm. I've arrived is I think an incredibly healthy perspective um, oh, of how to absolutely. to look at things because um, we are all in you know in the process of change. I mean, even the the process of aging is a change, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so there's oftentimes that you know maybe we won't like this um, particular season of life that we're <laughs> in. Maybe it's in the you know in the season of acne, or maybe it's in the season of you know, like like I said, of aging. Menopause. Things, yeah, <laughs> things are changing in our body, and we're like, wait a minute, this isn't what I you know, was looking forward to. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. So part you of know, that is just that acceptance, you know, and, sure. and looking at things um, in a way that can be healthy and can honor the beauty of who we are um, mm-hmm. as a person mm-hmm. and honor the beauty of, you know, the different struggles of, of the different seasons within our life. That was very well put, very well mm-hmm. put. We're forever evolving as mm-hmm. as people. Yeah, and, and that um, is so exciting, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it really, the, can, it really can be. Um, yeah, the, the deepening, I think, is the way mm-hmm. I would look at it, you know, of the wisdom that comes from um, experiences and, and struggles and difficulties. Um, when I write on my blog, I um, title it Beauty and Brokenness. And because I just think those two go hand in hand um, of, you know, when we experience brokenness, there's just such beauty that can pour out of that. I love the quote by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was, you know, one of the premier researchers about stages of grief and death and dying. And and I I don't know the quote exactly to um, quote it, but like, the beauty of is of a, a person is much like a stained glass window. When it shines from within, is when true beauty is seen, and I just love mm. that. And that is that. That's a really nice one. Really nice mm-hmm. one. Mm. 
how can our listeners find your blog? Where is it located? Um, I have a website, and it's um, Diane um, Morris Jones. And the tricky thing about mm-hmm. that, Denise, is my name, Diane, is spelled with two N's. And so it's okay. D-I-A-N-N-E, Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S, Jones.com. And um, I have a blog there, and um, would love to hear from your listeners of um, what their reaction to the book is, and um, I would love for them to to find a book and um, be able oh, to read sure. it. Oh, sure. Where can they purchase it besides your website? Yeah, it, you can purchase it on the website. You can also um, it's available on Amazon and um, through um, you know local retailers can certainly order it. Um, so it's very available. Oh, that's great. Well, listeners, we're running out of time. Um, I want to thank you so much for being on our show. I think we've learned a lot from you today, and we can learn uh-huh. even more by by reading your book, Stop, Breathe, Believe. I'm talking with Diane Morris-Jones. So once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I want to remind listeners that if you missed any portion of this program and you'd like to hear it, uh, once our show is over, it will go into podcast. You can find it on iTunes as well as on the website www. Dot healthmedianow.com. Thank you, Diane. Oh, thank you, Denise. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. All right. Take care. Mm-hmm. All right, listeners, please join us again next week for our show. We'll have another wonderful one for you. For now, we're signing off. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Listeners, we just want to remind you that the entire contents of this radio show are based upon the opinions of Denise and her guests. It's not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional, and it's not intended as medical advice. We're sharing knowledge and information, and we encourage you to make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional of your choice. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Thank you.